You're now listening to Locked On 76ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we're going to be discussing Joel Embiid and his MVP candidacy. Let's get into it. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome into the Locked On 76ers podcast. Uh, today we are presented by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am, I am Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire, joined by the OG Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Keith, what's up, my man? What's up, man? What's poppin'? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling all right. Um, now, we got a lot to dive into. We're going to be discussing the weekend that was for the 76ers. We're going to dive into, you know, do a little bit of a deep dive on Joel Embiid a little bit and really just kind of look at what the hell this guy really is doing on an every night basis. And we'll get into Paul Millsap a little bit. Obviously, you know, the Sixers acquired James Harden, but we really haven't discussed what Paul Millsap can bring to this team off the bench. So, Keith, first of all, man, Sixers had a 2-0 and weekend since the last time we spoke. Uh, they knocked off the Oklahoma City Thunder on Friday. Uh, then they then they were able to knock off the Cleveland Cavaliers on Sunday. So the team had a two and zero weekend. Joel had twenty five and nineteen in the win over the Thunder, and then he had a huge game against the Cavaliers, going for 40, 14, and ten, fourth triple double of his career. Uh, what did you just kind of make of the weekend for the Sixers? I mean, it was an impressive weekend. Um, the one thing I have to say is the Oklahoma City Thunder. You expected them to win that game. Beating the Cleveland Cavaliers, you did not expect that. And and it'd be just because of they were being undermanned, um, they didn't have, um, how about I say Jimmy Butler? <laughs> they didn't have um, James Harden. So you're looking at it like, okay, Joel's going to have to score a lot of points to do it. And they did. They came out and won. And that was a, a pretty good win for them. Now, I, I get it. Um, some people may say, well, you know, uh, uh, what uh, uh, Cleveland, you know, guys look tired. They didn't have their legs, what have you. But at the same time, to me, that was a quality win for the 76ers being undermanned. Yeah, very good win over the Cavaliers. The Thunder game was kind of like meh, right? And the thing is, like, the Thunder game was like, it was fresh off that game, or not game, the trade of James Harden coming here. They're on an emotional high. They just acquired one of the game's top players in terms of a guy who can um, score at an elite level, make plays for others. He can rebound. And, you know, like that's an emotional high. And then you got to turn around and play the Oklahoma City Thunder, who didn't even have Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And their best player that night was probably Lou Dort. And the second best player is probably the rookie, Josh Giddy. So there's really – not a lot of excitement going into that one, so one can understand why the Sixers really didn't get up for it. But they still came away with a 13-point win. Tyrese Maxey had 24 points in the win as well. And, and just to even go back to that game, Keith, it looked like the Sixers really were sleepwalking that entire night against Oklahoma City until maybe the third quarter, and that's when Maxey like, kind of kicked it into high gear. Yeah, I would agree with that one. I would agree. Um, you know, I, I think it was, you know, Doc Rivers didn't, Really, he tried to downplay it, but I think it's one of those things where some of your teammates are, are, are traded the next day, and it's kind of like you're a little sluggish or 
you're not really in the mood, you know what I mean, to play a game. And then finally the third quarter comes and you're like, oh, we got to wake up and play. I just feel like they were on an emotional roller coaster beforehand and, and they had to play that game once the roller coaster was over. So they came out kind of flat to me. But you know what? They were able to, to continue to keep fighting and dig deep, so to speak, and they pulled out a win. Yes, it was, it was an important win, too. These are wins that they have to grab, right? You know, um, we don't James, we don't, James Harden obviously isn't here. We don't know when he's going to make his debut. Um, you know, the next chance for it will be Tuesday against the Boston Celtics, but we'll see if he's even able to play in that one. Um, so it's like at this time, it's one of those things where it's just like you want to just kind of continue picking up wins, build some momentum, and be able to, uh, you know, at least have something, like a good foundation for when James can get integrated uh, into the team. Now, moving on to the win over the Cleveland Cavaliers, they, they got up to a much better start. They were up 15 in the first quarter. They were able to kind of jump on Joel's back. Uh, looked like Joel was much better Saturday. Now, I understand Friday he actually had a, a crazy stat line, Keith. He had 25 points, 19 rebounds, five blocks, and four assists. He's the first sixer to have that stat line since Charles Barkley. But it, it didn't really look all that great. He shot eight for 25. He was missing free throws. It was just a weird night. And then he goes for 40, 14, and 10 against the Cavaliers, second triple-double of the season. And, Keith, after the game, he, he said he had a bad game. Yeah, he said he had a bad game uh, the night before. Yeah, I guess the Thunder. Yeah, but, you know, to me, I still think it's weird to say you got 25, 19, and five block. And that's a bad, game. a bad game. I mean, it, that just tells you his standard. Like, his standard has really – um, rose up, risen to a point where he expects to get 30-something points a night. He expects to shoot well. He expects to grab a bunch of rebounds, block shots. So that, to me, that's what really stood out, you know, because when you ask him, like, what are you talking about, dude? You had 25 and 19 and 5. That's not a bad game. Right. But, you know, he's right. you're right. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but in his eyes, he has to, you know, make sure he, he – he, his, his norm is at least 30 points a game. Yeah, and on Saturday, I, I, um, w after achieving the 40 points, he, Joel's now scored 25-plus in 23 straight games. But listen, I want to get into Joel more so in, in the next segment. You know, like we're kind of focusing on the wins right here right now. Um, the Cavaliers, too, Keith, they kind of came in. They came in as the number two seed in the East. Uh, they were a game and a half ahead of Philadelphia. This is the first of four matchups between these teams this season. First time they're matching up all season. Obviously, the next three times these teams match up, you know, you expect that James Harden will be out there uh, for Philadelphia. But how important was that win, you know, just in terms of the standings? Now, there's still a ton of basketball left to be played. There's about another 20, 25 games left to go. But um, picking up a win like this, you know, at this time of the year, it, it, it's important. Oh, it's huge. I mean, and huge from the um, from the standpoint of, you know, you're undermanned. This is a key uh, division uh, conference game. So, you like you said, they got three more left. But at the same time, you always want to get those tiebreakers. But this was a huge win because you know everyone in their mom expected them to lose out because because they were undermanned. You know, they could have made some excuses, but they kept fighting. They fought through, but. You know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, they were able to pick up a win. Um, I thought it was really impressive. Matisse Thibault, uh, he tied a career high with six with six steals uh, in the win on Saturday. 
I don't know if Matisse had a necessarily big defensive night. Darius Garland was able to have some success against him. I thought Tobias Harris was pretty good um, against Garland, but still six steals is six steals. And I feel like Matisse was able to kind of jump the passing lane, get the team out running. It was a uh, it was just a solid, solid performance all around for them against the Cavaliers. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree 100. Um, percent You know, there were certain times where guys you look at it and they weren't really shooting the ball the way they should. I mean, Joel was phenomenal, but but yeah, it was a perfect win. It was a great win for him. Yeah, and you know, like at, at this point, it's just it's all about continuing to pick up wins, pick up momentum. Um, you know, like there's just there's a lot that this team can kind of you know, build off of, you know, that, that moving forward, you know, the all-star break is coming up. That'll be good for them probably. And at this point, it's just all about, you know, just really gelling together at this point. Uh, coming up on, coming up next, we're still going to do that deep dive on Joel Embiid. We kind of touched on a little bit in this first segment, but we're going to dive into it a little bit more. But first, we're going to hear from Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions, right? If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or, or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories calories 30 grams of sugar and dozens of net carbs and there's so many flavors to choose from coconut almond peanut butter brownie raspberry cookies and cream salted caramel mint brownie and many more in fact built is always coming out with new limited time flavors so check out built.com often to see what's new go to built.com use promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your order use promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com Thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. For your next listen, make sure you check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen in to Locked On Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. All right, Keith. So, Joel Embiid has obviously been the main story when it comes to this team, right? I mean... This guy has just been dominant on an every-night basis. At this point, if the Sixers can continue moving up the standings, he's probably going to be in the running for the MVP, you know, if not the MVP, you know what I'm saying? So um, just these two games, we touched on him saying he had a bad game against the Thunder. Just uh, what what do you kind of make of this? Because, I mean, he's scored 25-plus now in 23 straight games. I mean, I make that he expects every night to go out there and dominate. He expects to score anywhere from 35 to 40 or close to 40 points, if not more, to help his team win. And, I mean, I just think that it's a different mindset. I mean, I was looking at him, you know, after the game on Saturday, and I was just like, man, I'm looking how at how much when he first came here, he didn't know what to really expect. I mean, he had a broken foot. He missed the first two years. You know, you always wrote these stories about him. And But tonight, when you look at him, you see how dominant he played and all the things that he does. It's like it's a completely different level. You know, he's on a completely different level than most folks. And, um, you know, that's basically what I make out of it. Like, you know, yeah, he's not trying to, you know, go to uh, go somewhere or, or do this or do that. He's just out here balling. Yeah, and honestly, it's been – 
it's been really impressive. Like, he didn't really shoot the ball well against the Thunder. We touched on that. He only shot eight for 25. It wasn't like a really um, – it was just a really bad performance. And then, But, like, another thing, Keith, is, like, he joined Wilt Chamberlain mm-hmm. on Saturday. He's the first sixer to have a 40-point triple-double since Wilt. And when you can have your name in the same conversation as a guy like Wilt, who is – legendary not just in basketball circles but in sports in general like like that's that's something you can continue to build off man like that that's momentum for you for moving forward i agree 100 percent. and then it also just tells you how great he is you know now it's like there may be some people saying oh look dude he did it against jared allen but he jared allen probably should have been an all-star this year though yes but he did it but he did it you know right and 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 um you're, you're right. It's it's one of those things where, you know, um, you know, Joel is doing some great things. And it's always like that. Like the night before it was Barkley. Now it's Will. It's going to be somebody else on on Tuesday. I mean, it's just that he's being phenomenal. And he's – it's funny because every time he breaks something, like I wasn't born when Will was – I mean, was playing. When he was playing, I wasn't born. I don't but I know about Will, and you're like, wow, okay, MB, and then Barkley, you know, or something like that. You're like, okay, MB, I see you playing. I see you. I mean, he's having a phenomenal year. Yeah, it's just it's been a phenomenal run. Um, you know, you know what's crazy, Keith. You know, like I kind of keep thinking about Joel in earlier in the season and how like he kind of got off to a slow start shooting the ball, right? Do you remember December first against Boston when he shot like three for seventeen yeah, or, or something yep. or something like that? And it just it kind of seems like ever since then, and I think Doc had a quote like they gave it a couple weeks ago. Doc was like, "Joel has finally realized that he's the biggest and baddest on the floor each and every night." And I feel like it takes a while for a guy to really kind of understand that he is the biggest and the mm-hmm. baddest, and mm-hmm. it really just kind of seems like recently. Jo- it's finally hitting for Joel. It's finally hitting for him. But there, there's one quote after the game on Saturday that, you know, really kind of caught my eye. And I want to ask you if this is a potential problem. Um, he says, offensively nowadays, I guess it seems like if I don't have 30 or whatever, it seems like a bad game. And do you feel like that is just kind of on himself? Like he feels like that's a bad game for himself that he doesn't score 30? Or is it just kind of like – dang, if I don't score 30, you know, we might lose the game. Um, yeah, but I don't think he was taking it as a knock at the team. I think he was just being real. Like, we all say it. If Joel Embiid gets 20-something points, a lot of times they lose. Yeah. When they get 30, he's, like, willing them to win. So that's how I took it. I, I didn't take it as, like, a shot at the other team, so to speak. I took it as this is what I need to do. Yeah, I mean – I, I get what you I get what you're saying. And the way I looked at it, it was just kind of like it was like, yeah, like when it comes to Joel, it, it, this is his team, and I feel like it's going to be that way. You know, when James comes here, and, and obviously James is going to be a huge part of what the Sixers do this year. But this is Joel's team, and you know, I feel like he has to he puts responsibility on himself to, you know, score thirty every night in order to make sure the team has a chance, and that's how I kind of took it um, because because you're right. Like, normally when he doesn't have 30 and has, like, 23 or, or just 25 or, or just something like that, you know, it's, it's just a, kind of like a whatever type, type of thing for him. Um, now, Joel, 
he was also asked, like, you know, do you think about a scoring title? Which at this point, Keith, he is lead league in scoring. And I think the last big man to lead the league in scoring was the great Shaquille O'Neal. And do you think Joel can, you know, lead the league in scoring this year, like, as a whole? It, it depends. I mean, yeah, I, I do. I mean, Durant is missing a lot of games, you know, like that. I think if Durant comes back, he'll he'll challenge him a little bit if he, you know, if he gets these games in. But yeah, outside of that, I think he can. Now again, some of his shots are going to change with Harden coming back. Um, with Harden being traded, part of the team, you would assume. But I think I, I think MB can. I really do. If Joel leads the league in scoring, right? You know, first big man since Shaq, you know, whatever. Do you think it's going to – do you think that, like, would maybe put him at the front of the MVP candidacy, especially when it's something that, like, we haven't seen in a while, uh, even though the Sixers, like, maybe aren't the one seed or, or the two seed or something? Because, you know, you and I talked about this before. You know, Russell Westbrook won the MVP the year. He won the triple-double, and the Thunder were, like, the number six seed. Yeah. And because something we hadn't seen in a while. So do you feel like maybe Joel be kind of similar – just because he is a big man and he led the league in scoring? I think it will have to do with their record is what place they're in. You know what I mean? Like if they're like in the fifth or sixth place, probably not. But if they're like in the top three, I think it would. I think it would. Yeah. Like I feel like if they were to kind of continue this winning streak, you know, the Sixers have been playing well recently. Um, you know, like, like Matisse has been stepping up in the offensive end in terms of a cutter. Uh, Tyrese Maxey obviously has been very good. We talk about him a couple of times. Um, Tobias has been able to find a, a rhythm, and and that allows the Sixers to kind of keep pushing forward, man. And, and and if they can they can continue to do that, then and the, Joel can continue to play the way he's playing, um, then yeah, like he's definitely got a chance to win MVP and you know get get the scoring title and you know everything else that comes with it. Um, Listen, Keith, this this is a random question that just off the top of my head. Uh, like, just to kind of end off this segment, Keith, if you could play a one-on-one with a, any player in NBA history, who, who who do you think – who would you want to be matched up with? Any player now? No, of, of all time, all time. Uh, Jordan. <laughs> you want to play Michael Jordan? Yeah, man. Hell, heck yeah. Michael Jordan? Yeah. If Matt, are you No, you're talking about matched up against or paired up against. Not like, who would you want to play? Oh, who I want to play? Jordan. Okay. I mean, because you want to play the, the the top dog. Not, not, not see, I, I would I would want to find, like, the player with the lowest scoring average in NBA history. And this player would probably still kick my ass. But I feel like I could maybe get a bucket or two off of him and maybe lose 11 to 1 or yeah. 11 to 2 or something. Yeah. I, mean, I know I definitely lose, but I'm gonna go down trying. Facts. I'm be Facts. Jacking and chuck, chucking and, and chucking and, uh, and ducking. That's that's wild. I like okay. So if if you could play, if you played one on one with Shaq, do you think you get a bucket off him? Yeah. Yeah. Handles. <laughs> so if you listening, Shaq. Got something for you, bro. <laughs> yo, like, nah, nah, nah. Yo, I'm, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to tag Shaq on Twitter. Like as soon as, as soon as this, uh, this episode yeah. comes out, <laughs> we're playing Shaq. We're playing. We don't want no smoke. I promise you. We're not John Moran. We're not running up the chimney. <laughs> I prob, I promise you that. All right, coming up next, 
we're going to dive into Paul Millsap a little bit. We haven't talked about Paul Millsap since the Sixers acquired him. He was included in the in the James Harden deal. We're going to get into that. First, we're going to hear from Bet Online. Football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Keith. So the Sixers were able to, um, obviously, they got their man, right? They got James Harden. He's the headliner. He's you know, one of the best players in NBA history. He's definitely going to the Hall of Fame. Um, he's a guy who will look like he's going to enhance this team. You know, the, the two-man game, pick and roll, pick and pop between James Harden and Joel Embiid is going to be really deadly. Um, it's going to be really tough to stop. But there's one guy we really haven't talked about yet, Keith, and that's Paul Millsap. Now, the Sixers need a backup five. For now, they've been running Paul Reed. Um Doc Rivers did say that if they do use Paul Millsap, they will use him at the five. So what do you, what are you, your even expectations uh, out of Paul Millsap right now? You know, Paul Millsap is a good player. I, I mean, he was a good player. Um, he's getting a little older. I mean, I look at him as a leader, like kind of sort of like what Anthony Tolliver was last year. Like he came in there and he was a leader of the locker room. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're going to get from Paul Millsap. Um, you know, he's a little older, but he was playing at a high level for a long time. But he hasn't played since, well, I think it was January 18th. No, nah, December 27th. Well, he played one game. Did he? Oh, yeah, he yeah, played right, one game. Right. Yeah, he played one game. He played December 27th, then he played a game in January, and that was it. Like January 19th or something, thir- something like that. But, yeah, so to me, it's kind of like I look for him to be like a leader. Yeah, you're right. Uh, he did play in a game January 13th against the Oklahoma City yep. Thunder. He scored, he scored eight points and ten rebounds with three blocks in that game, Keith. Mm-hmm. Um, Nets ended up losing the game by 21 points <laughs> to the Thunder. Um, but, yeah, Millsap, you know, he, he had some good moments off the bench. Yeah. Um, but, no, nah, like, I like I like the Paul Millsap edition, too. And here's another thing, Keith, that, like, you know, people aren't are going to take for granted a little bit. He's been the Western Conference, or not the Western Conference, just the Conference Finals three times. Um, he's been there with the Utah Jazz in 2007. He was there with the Atlanta Hawks in 2015, and he was there with the Denver Nuggets in the bubble in 2020. So he got he has a ton of playoff experience. He's a guy who understands what it takes to win. Um, he's a guy who has been around the league, and, and he's had success too. He's been the All-Star game four times. It's not mm-hmm. like Paul Millsap is some scrub. And, like, you know, he's been league 16 years, though. So, you, as you mentioned, that he's older and everything. Uh, and Doc said he's going to use him at the five. I mean, like, do you think Paul can provide backup five minutes, though, at this point of his career? Nowadays, you see a lot of these older power forwards, they they transition to, like, centers. You know what I mean? Right, like, if you right, look right. at it, it's just different. Um, I don't think – no, I think Doc is saying that, but I'm pretty sure they got a plan. Um, where, you know, they'll have a ball handler just handling the ball and then distributing it that way. But I think he felt like he had to say something, you know what I mean, just to, you know, um, to keep people, like, honest, so to speak. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to 
He's going to have to do a lot, man, for this team. A lot. And then the crazy part is what happens if his brother comes back? You know what I mean? Jeremy Grant. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, like, you know, there, there's a lot that has to kind of go into it. But, like, there, there's not really any big men on the buyout market at this moment, right? I mean, there's Ennis Freedom out there, and I'm sure Robin Lopez will become available at some point. I'm sure, you know, some of these other veteran centers. But, you know, at this moment in time, you're going to have to kind of rock with, you know, a Paul Millsap, a Paul Reed until the Sixers are able to make a move in the buyout market. But – at the end of the day, though, like, if you can go into a game and, like, Paul Millsap is your backup five, that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be the backup, though. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think, like, they'll throw Charles Bassey and them out there before him, you would think. Yeah, and, and I'm sure they will. Like, like I'm, not, I'm not sitting here and saying that Paul Millsap is the end-all, be-all. What I'm saying is, though, it's like – if it came down to that, Keith, I, I don't think it'd be like, oh man, the Sixers are absolutely screwed. Oh, uh, it's it's not the worst thing in the world. So that that's how I look at Paul Millsap. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and, and say that like Paul Millsap is like the savior or anything. What I'm saying is he could be a serviceable big man uh, off the bench. And you, and you know what? Um, somebody just kind of walked walked into our recording studio here. Um, th- this is a good friend of mine, one of my best friends on the beat here, other than the OG, of course. But Justin Grosso of uh, Sports Illustrated, you know, you can check check him out over there. Uh, Justin, sit down with me, man. Sit, sit, down, sit down with me as we record this on a Monday morning. Well, how, how are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> it's, it's just... This is just a normal night, a normal <laughs> night in South Philadelphia. It's 1.09 a.m. We're just sitting in the media room, and I'm tired, man. I'm going to be honest. All right, listen, just to, give, <laughs> just to give you guys, just to give you guys, like, some type of heads up, like, me, me and Keith, you know, we are recording this on Saturday to kind of get you guys set to go for, for, for this weekend and everything, so... You know, it's been a tired night. We're still at the Wells Fargo Center after the Sixers knocked off the Cavaliers. This is why Justin's here to be able to uh, to join us, man. And, you know, Justin, we have about two and a half minutes left like, like, like on this podcast. So I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, on Paul Millsap, man. That's what we were talking about in this segment. We talked about James Harden a bunch. We really didn't get into Millsap. What do you think of Paul Millsap? <laughs> okay, that's an interesting. All right. I mean, Paul Millsap, l- listen. The Sixers could always use some veterans, right? Some veteran leadership. We we've heard about he's a he's a good locker room guy. Yeah, he, what did Doc Doc called him high high character? No, it was actually three highs. It was three highs. Okay, so high 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 character. Yeah. Could always use some high 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 character for sure. <laughs> but I mean, listen, I don't know what he's gonna bring on the court. Um, obviously, there's a there's a big man position open. Um, we haven't seen Charles Bassey really do anything yet. Yeah. Maybe he'll get an opportunity. And then maybe Paul Millsap will come in and, and make some noise there too because we were told that he's going to most likely be a five. So, I mean, listen, may, maybe the Sixers have high hopes for him. Maybe they think they can get him you know, back on track and be a serviceable, serviceable backup big man. Yeah, you know what? I mean, like I feel like you'd have high, um, you know, Expectations for a guy who's got a high, high, high character. So I, mean, I, I, I don't have high expectations. I just think that there's an open competition right now because Andre Drummond's obviously not here. Right. And you know, it's a, it's a good opportunity for for anybody 
that's you know coming in. The way the way I see it is like kind of like what you said. The Sixers need need a backup big man now. Andre's gone, so you can't rely on Paul Reed and at this moment in time. Like I know B ball Paul and everything and. What you have for breakfast, Denny's? You know, like he's a funny guy. He's a he's a he's a classic personality and things like that. Um, he's very energetic. He's very athletic, um, but he still has a long way to go. Where he's not gonna he's not gonna develop in Philadelphia. Like he would be best he'd be best served on a team like say, the Thunder, you, you know, or a team like Detroit. You know, like one of those rebuilding teams that just could give him the necessary court time he needs in order to develop. Um, you know, it just it is what it is. Like adding a guy like Millsap. You know, the OG was talking about it earlier, you know, like Anthony Tolliver maybe, like a guy who could come in and just, you know, provide well, a vet. He's better than Anthony Tolliver, though, I think. Better resume. Right, he's better than Anthony Tolliver, of course. He got a four-time All-Star, been the Comps Finals three times. But, you know, he's a guy who can just add the uh, add that type of veteran presence to a team that kind of probably needs it right now. For sure, and I, I like how you brought up that, you know, Paul Reed will probably be – better in a different situation and sure. you know i i think in in philadelphia there needs to be some sort of you know different expectations because this is a championship contending team Absolutely. like when james harding gets on that floor the sixers are gunning for a title like there's there's no room for young guys that need to still develop like this is a team that needs veterans that are going to contribute to winning now Obviously, we don't know what really Charles Bassey brings to the table. Paul Reed, I thought he played good the last two games, but, you know, when it comes down to the playoffs, Paul Reed's not coming on that floor. No, he's not, and that's pretty much all there is to it, and that's why Paul Millsap is going to be a big addition to this team <laughs> as they move forward. <laughs> listen, thank you so much for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. Now make your second uh, listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. For the OG, Keith Pompey with the Philadelphia Inquirer. For Justin Grosso of Sports Illustrated, I'm Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire. We're out. We'll see you guys next time on Locked on Sixers. Deuces. <laughs>